Okay, let's read from the scripture, Luke 12, verses 22 to 34. And that's a section that's titled, Do Not Worry. Then Jesus said to his disciples, Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat, or what, about your body, what you will wear. Life is more than food, and the body more than clothes. Consider the ravens. They do not sow or reap. They have no storeroom or barn. Yet God feeds them. And how much more valuable you are than birds. And who of you, by worrying, can add a single hour to his life? Since you cannot do this very little thing, why do you worry about the rest? Consider how the lilies grow. They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you, not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, how much more will he clothe you O you of little faith. And do not set your heart on what you will eat or drink. Do not worry about it. For the pagan world runs after all such things, and your Father knows that you need them. But seek his kingdom, and these things will be given to you as well. Do not be afraid, little flock, for your Father has been pleased to give you the kingdom. Sell your possessions and give to the poor, Provide purses for yourselves that will not wear out. A treasure in heaven that will not be exhausted, where no thief comes near and no moth can destroy. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Thus is the reading of God's holy word. Brothers and sisters, This passage in Luke 12 is is part of a long teaching that Jesus gives, known as the Sermon on the Mount. That same sermon can be found in Matthew 6 as well. And in different versions of this morning's scripture, you will find that it's been written differently in different versions of the the Bible. For example, the, the extended, or the English Standard Version uses all three commands in that passage, do not worry, do not be anxious, and fear not. And in many places in the Bible, worry and anxious have been used in the same context, addressing the same emotional stress. Biblical scholars believe that during Jesus' ministry on earth, he addressed the aspect of worry, anxiety, and fear in his teachings more than any other emotional aspect of our lives. Now, just as a side note here, because I thought it was interesting, I have seen, found at least two studies listed on the internet that make the claim that over 80% of the things that people worry about never happen. So apply that to your own lives and ask yourselves, is that true? Modern day psychology has suggested that these three, worry, anxiety, and fear, can be broken down to different levels of stress on our being. 
And on paper, it can look like a pyramid. They suggest that worry originates or starts in the mind. We start to ponder things. We think about them. Then we start stewing about them. And then those concerns can occupy more and more of our mental space. Then that worry can grow, and it escalates to anxiety. And that anxiety can start to affect our very being, manifesting itself in, in our physical bodies, affecting our sleep, our daily eating patterns, creating panic attacks, and eventually affecting our overall health maybe causing us to develop habits that aren't healthy for our lives. You could say that the worry that started in our mind has moved from our head to our heart. And as a person progresses through the stages of worry and anxiety, it can eventually blossom into full-grown fear and paralyze us to the point that life can become extremely difficult to live from day to day. I'm somewhat confident that all of us here this morning and those watching or listening have at some point in their life experienced a measure of worry or anxiety or full-blown fear. And even though Jesus is speaking to followers and disciples in this passage, does it mean that only people of faith struggle with these emotions? Of course not. Most of us would agree that it's a universal issue. It touches every person's life. And I would suggest that the recent worldwide COVID pandemic has provided us with living proof that anxiety and fear is alive and well. It's a distressing fact, though, that in North America, even before this recent crisis of COVID, there has been an ever-increasing level of worry and anxiety within our own culture. One of the fastest-growing areas of prescribed drugs in North America is to medicate for anxiety and stress. One of the fastest-growing areas of workplace disability is anxiety and stress. And yet the irony in all of this is that the audience that Jesus was speaking to in the scriptures for the most part spent much of their time in daily pursuit of the material things that they needed for life. In other words, their survival in some ways was day to day. I mean, think about it. They had no freezers to store up their food. They had no local grocery store to run to when they ran out of milk or butter. No long-term meal plans. No company or government pension plan to look after them. Or personal guaranteed incomes and RRSPs. Survival for the audience that Jesus was speaking to was very real. Now compare that to our present-day society structure. Historians would argue, and they may argue at one day, that you and I, all of North America, are living in one of the most indulged, most privileged, richest, 
and most comfortable times in history, with the most material possessions surrounding us and at our fingertips. And then look at our medicines. Even if you worry or you're anxious, we have medicine for that. We can take care of it. No one goes unmedicated. And we even educate ourselves to handle stress by going to stress management courses to help us to get through the day. Now, I'm not trying to suggest in all of this that, that life should be and will be easy and that no hardships will befall us to bring stress into our lives because even Jesus acknowledged that there is no utopia here on earth. Matthew 6, verse 34, Jesus exhorts the listener to, to not to worry about tomorrow, and then he finishes with these words. He says, each day has enough trouble of its own. We're going to have trouble. It's guaranteed. So trials and tribulations and troubles will come for all of us. And with that will come worry and anxiety and fear. And Jesus shows us where we need to go to deal with it, to manage it, to live through it in the passage that we read this morning. But I would suggest before we get into the meat of that, we need to go to the starting point. There can be no lasting solution to the emotional stress of worry, anxiety, or fear unless there is a relationship. To speak to this, I'm going to jump ahead in the passage we read to verse 31, specifically referencing Matthew 6. In that version, Jesus teaches that we need to seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. You see, what he's saying is, if you haven't acknowledged the existence of God, or even come to a point where you say, well, I need him in my life, or he needs to be part of my life, Jesus is clear that you will never get off the starting line. Both Matthew and Luke tell us that the pagan world runs after these things. What things are they talking about? Things like, what shall we eat? What shall we drink? What shall we wear? And it's important to note here that Jesus uses the word run. The word run could be translated to pursue or to chase. The implication is that these things consume them, that they race to get it, that that insatiable drive can be a root cause to worry and to be anxious. No God in the picture means the unbeliever is always operating purely on the earthly plane. Everything becomes relative to what happens here on earth. They can only relate to the material. And yet Jesus says, do not set your heart on these things. You won't find peace in those places. In other words, Jesus is pointing the listener away from looking on this plane and the earthly solutions to these worldly emotions, and he's saying, you won't find them here. Jesus is talking about that tension that we all struggle with between 
who we are in our maker. The tension between the material and the non-material, the earthly and the spiritual, the eternal and the temporal. And Jesus points us away from the earthly things. He says, life is more than food, and the body more than clothes. All you see around you, this is not all there is, Jesus is saying. And in the end, these things won't give you what you're looking for either. And you know what? Deep in our hearts, we know that. We're talking about dealing with that deep-rooted fear that confronts all of mankind, and the Bible calls it our fear of death. That wall that lingers ahead, that aspect of mortality for us, we know death is coming at some point. And the Bible teaches us that we live in fear of it unless we deal with it. Worrying about what we will eat and drink is really part of that survival mode. We all walk with it. We want to survive and stay alive. Look at what society does. It invests in and spends billions of dollars on medication, drugs, research, and the chase to extend our lives. You can see it in the fear of COVID. I trust you saw it. And in fact, it was the sin of Israel in the desert. One of the sins, when they complained about not having any food or water, and then they accused God of bringing them into the desert to die there. You hear it? They were afraid of death. But food and clothes won't settle the matter with our maker, and it won't bring us the peace we're looking for. Our maker is where we need to go. Seek first the kingdom of heaven and his righteousness. Righteousness will bring us peace in here. And God knew it could never come from anything on earth. So he provided the heavenly solution. He provided the way to know that peace, to know him by sending his son, Jesus, into this broken, fragile, troubled, and anxiety-filled world to die a terrible death on our behalf so that you and I can experience true life, a renewed spiritual life, and have a relationship with God. We need to have that relationship with God through the Holy Spirit. And that will start to nurture in us a spirit of trust and reliance that's outside of this natural and material world. You see, one of the fruit of the indwelling of the Holy Spirit is peace. A peace, it says, that the world cannot give. And peace is really the opposite to worry and anxiety and fear. So then the question comes to us, well, what what if I'm a believer? What if I know I'm born again? I belong to Jesus and I love him. Does that mean that now that I have a relationship with God, I'll walk in perfect peace, or I should at least, and I won't experience any worry or anxiety or fear in my life? Well, the answer could be in a perfect and redeemed world that might be yes. In the new heaven and the new earth, yes. But we don't live in a perfect world yet. We're not in heaven yet. 
And that's where Jesus has promised that all the troubles and pains of life will be no more. Jesus knew that we would struggle with these emotions. That's why he addressed them so often in the scriptures. The most repeated command encouragement in the whole Bible is fear not, do not fear, or peace be with you. So the question comes to us this morning, what do we do when worry and anxiety and fear start to creep into our lives? When it starts to threaten to overtake us? Because you see, our human tendency, our human DNA in our broken and yet redeemed condition is to minimize the gap between who God is and what he's able to do. You know, we always want to bring God down to a manageable place, to the point where we tend to slip into looking for earthly solutions again to our problems. And all believers will struggle with that tension between the natural and the earthly, between the earthly and the spiritual, the heavenly. And Jesus knew and understood that. So Jesus in his teaching here points us to what we need to know and understand. He's reminding us. Jesus speaks of the ravens who are fed and clothed, and then what does he do? He points to God. He says, who looks after them? And then Jesus pointed to the lilies, how short their lives are, but how beautiful they are, or the grass of the field, which is here today and gone tomorrow, and is thrown into the fire, and then he references God again to remind the listener. He's doing what Romans 1 does. He's looking at creation and saying, it's evidence of God's invisible qualities. The Bible says his eternal power, his divine nature. Jesus is reminding all of us, when we worry or we're anxious, we're forgetting about how big God is. John 14, verse 1, do not let your hearts be troubled, God says. You believe in God, believe also in me. So the simple answer is, for you and I, we need to stay strong in our understanding of who God is, his character, his power. We can do that every day through the study of his word and through prayer. Roman 2 tells us that the study of God's word brings about the renewing of our minds. I find that interesting because that's really where worry starts. So that we will replace our earthly concerns with spiritual truths from the scriptures. We will come to know, hopefully, in our hearts, the many promises of God. We will come to know better his character to help us in our daily walk. And the list is exhaustive. But I like to touch on two things that I believe Jesus raises this morning in the passage we looked at. The first one I've called the absolute sovereignty of God over our lives. Now I could have said the absolute sovereignty of God over all of creation and that would have been correct as well, but I want to bring it down to a personal level for us because we're talking about our personal wrestlings with worry and anxiety and stress. And Jesus wants to take us there as well. Luke 12, verse 25. 
He says to us, who of you, by worrying, can add a single hour to your life? Well, I trust that everyone listening this morning agrees that they have very little control over their own mortality. You don't know, and I don't know, whether I have one more day on this planet or 15 years. No one can foresee their own future, nor protect it in such a way that it will go exactly as we've planned it to be. But God's word assures us that life, specifically our lives, are not about chance or luck or fate. And you and I need to know that, especially in light of this race for survival. You remember the story of Job? He lost everything. He lost his family, his business, his friends, and then he became terribly sick, and all of it happened almost within a 24-hour period. I'm not even sure that I would survive such an event. Listen to his confession in Job, Job 14, verse 5. He confesses this. He says, Man's days are determined. You, that's God, have decreed the number of his months, and you've set limits that he cannot exceed. Or how about Psalm 139, verse 16? All the days ordained for me, that's for you and I, were written in your book before one of them came to be. And you and I even have a confession in our Heidelberg Catechism, question and answer number one, that I am not my own, but belong in body and soul to my faithful Savior, Jesus Christ. And then we confess that he also preserves me in such a way that without the will of my heavenly Father, not a hair can fall from my head. These are words for us this morning of absolute sovereignty. Hopefully they're words of comfort and encouragement for all of us. You see, God is in complete control. Even though you and I might sit back at times and say, this is hard to wrestle with. He is in control. From the big things to the little things. In fact, God knows the ways of all 7.6 billion people on this planet. And that's a concept that's so far beyond my comprehension, and I trust yours. So the question is, is he big enough? You bet he is. And you and I need to rest in that truth. The second thing I think, believe Jesus is bringing to us this morning is God's provisional and paternal love. I don't know if you noticed, but Jesus never implies that our need of food or drink or what we would wear was not important to our daily lives. But he's addressing how you and I treat those needs. Luke 12, verse 30, after Jesus talks about the pagans running after those things, he says, and this is important for us to hear, he says, and your father knows that you need them. Did you hear that? Your father knows that you need them. Up to that point, Jesus has used the title of God in the passage, but he now refers to God as our father. 
That's a shift to a more affectionate tone and indicates that God cares. It also implies a connection and a relationship. He knows. He knows as a loving father knows. He knows that we need them. In other words, he knows everything about us. He knows what you and I are going through on a second-by-second, minute-by-minute, day-by-day timetable. There is no mystery there. There's no fog. It's not like God doesn't know what's happening in my life or yours. He knows the personal trials and tribulations that befall each one of us. He knows the things we struggle with. He knows the things that will create worry and anxiety and stress in our lives. In fact, through the work of the Holy Spirit, Romans tells us that he knows the deepest parts of our hearts. Nothing, nothing is hidden from God. There's nothing he does not know. Just go read Psalm 139 about what he knows. And this is why you and I need to study and grow in God's word. Because we'll come to understand and know his promises and understand God's character and understand his deep love for us and realize more and more that he does care for us as a father cares for his children. And as we heard in the children's message this morning, probably our best final word of encouragement, of grace and of mercy, comes to us from Philippians 4, where it says, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, in prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to your heavenly Father, to God. And what happens? It says, and the peace of God which transcends all understanding, will rest upon you. The peace, the opposite of worry and anxiety and fear. And it's truly a peace that will never be found here. It's truly a peace that the world cannot give you or I. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the simplicity of your word, again. And Father, we hear so much during the course of a week. There's so much information that comes to us. And also it gets to a point now where we're not even sure what's truth and what's not. But Father, we know that your word, the Bible, is full of truth. And help us to study it, to know it, and come to know you better and to understand that there's nothing that goes on in this world that you're not aware of, and especially in our own lives. Help us to walk with a trust and a reliance on your grace and mercy extended to us. And we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.